Hi, welcome to Solo BG. This is episode number 9009, and we're still in the Halloween month. This is going to be the last episode of this October 2018, uh, the Halloween month. And now is the turn for a great game and a very unique also uh, game, which is Arkham Horror, the card game. Before we jump into today's episode, uh, my friend Jonathan is with me tonight. How are you, Jonathan? Uh, doing pretty well. How are you, Derek? Doing good, doing good. Enjoying the the one of the last Halloween uh, nights that we have. Uh, what have you been playing this week? Um, well, it's kind of in the theme of Halloween, but um, one of the games I got recently is Mr. Jack um, Pocket. Um, mm -hmm. I've not played the regular version of it, but um, it was a good game. I actually got it when I was traveling um, a couple weeks ago with my girlfriend, but it's a two-player game, and one person is in the role of Mr. Jack, and then the other person is Sherlock Holmes, Watson, um, and their dog Toby, and they're trying to find what disguise Mr. Jack is doing. So it's just a short two-player game where you have tokens, and you kind of drop them on the table, and whatever sides go up, you get to pick one, the other person gets to pick two, and then you get the last one. And based on that, you get to move either Sherlock um, and the group around, um, get clues, or uh, Mr. Jack can kind of use ones to move Sherlock or rearrange their tiles so they he won't get caught, but it's just kind of a quick little... Um, almost like a cat and mouse trying to hunt and figure out yeah. the identity and then catch the killer um, kind of game. But it kind of fits with the Halloween theme of, you know, it's kind of that creepy Jack the Ripper kind of yeah. thing. Um, but it's been a fun game. You know, you could play two games and, you know, once you learn it, you can play, you know, a game in 10, 15 minutes. And, um, you know, it's just a fun game that you either, either travel with or, you know, play for like a short game to start game night. So um, that's been a pretty fun one to, that I've been playing. Yeah, actually, I believe I played that one uh, uh, like a year ago, two years ago. There's a place uh, here in Indianapolis where we're uh, recording uh, that is called Kingmakers. That is like a, a bar with uh, tabletop games. And actually, I believe I played that one uh, with my wife like a year ago. And it was a fun game. Like you mentioned, the mechanics are fine. It's a pretty light, pretty easy game. And, and it was fun. It was fun. So besides that game, have you played anything else? Not really. Um, I did just get one of the games that I um, backed on Kickstarter. Uh -huh. um, it's called uh, Dwarves Winter. Um, it's by Vesuvius uh, Media. They had another one that I've not played um, that came before. I think it's called Dwarves Fall. But uh, I just got that one. It's got some pretty cool minis um, for the dwarves and then the different creatures um, that come in there. But I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play it. But it looks like there is um, a solo opportunity for that too. So um, that could be one that I talk about at a, at a later point once I've played it. And we can even try it you know, solo. And um, I think it's semi-cooperative. So... Um, yeah, I remember that. That we try. I, I remember that one on Kickstarter actually, and and I was going to mention that before you mentioned that. Uh, I believe it has like a solo mode that you can that you can play. So it will be interesting to to find about that and and you know uh, have it on one of the future episodes. Me personally, I've been playing this week like crazy. I've been uh, very deep uh, in uh, Robinson Crusoe, which is a a game from 2012, I believe, and you know with tons of awards designed by Ignacy Trezevich. Uh, and I've been playing through some of the scenarios of the base game of Robinson Crusoe. You know, it's uh, probably a, an hour and a half to two hours per game. Super fun, super intense, work placement, very Euro. Uh, and it's been fun. Also, I've been playing Scythe solo with the Automata, which is the solo mode that it's included also in the base game. And it's been super fun. Also, work placement, a Euro game, but, you know, both very intense. And actually, today, before we record the episode, I got the, one of the games that I was very excited and I pre-ordered it in, in Genko in 2018, 
which I'm pretty sure you remember which one I'm talking about is uh, the Batman, the animated series, Gotham yep. Under Siege. Uh, you know that I'm a big DC guy, big Batman guy, you know, uh, and I got the game. I give it a try solo and I had a blast. I really enjoy it. I don't know if it's because of the theme, honestly, or it's because it's Batman, but I feel like the mechanics are great, super easy, super light to learn, and uh, it's super fun. So, uh, so far, I cannot uh, made, I guess, a review about the game, but I play it, and so far, with the first play of Solo, I really enjoy it. Because I remember on the Gen Con, if you actually remember, too, we played just, like, one round or a couple of rounds, and that was it. Um, but it was fun. What do you think about the game? I remember you played with me. Um what I remember, I can't remember who I was, but um, I think the different groups you could be, I think you could be Batman, Batgirl, Robin, the um, GCPD. Gordon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, it, you know, they had different abilities that kind of fit thematically and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was dice rolling, but, you know, picking which, where you would play, play the die to do that ability that turn. Um, so I remember it being pretty, you know, quick to learn and, and easy to play, but it did kind of have that... You have, like, the nostalgic thing about the Batman the yeah, Animated yeah, Series. Yeah, the, the, the theme, you know, from the Animated Series, and it definitely had the art and everything that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I remember liking it, so I'd be interested to play. Yeah, um, You know, more than just, the, you know, a few rounds that we did. I think we only did the first act, and I know there's, you know, more villains and other things to do. So um, yeah, it's, that'd be it's, fun to, you know, play it, cooperatively. Yeah, it's very intense because, like you said, you were going through acts, but I guess we will save all those details for when the time comes and we record the episode about Batman, the animated series. So now let's jump into the first section of the game, uh, which is the box and cover. And remember, we're talking about Arkham Horror, the card game. Box and cover. Yeah, so the, the box for this one, um, it's kind of like what we talked about with Mansions of Madness. It definitely has a Cthulhu theme, you know, on the cover. Even see, and I, I don't remember if it's the same as the Arkham Horror, the board game, but, you know, it's got a couple of the investigators and they're trying to fight off... Um, you know, some of the tentacles and Cthulhu creatures and, yeah. and different things. Um, so very Lovecraftian on the cover, um, even around the, you know, even around the size of the box where they're advertising for, you know, expansions or some of yeah. the other fantasy flight games, Elder Sign. It's, they've kind of got all of their Cthulhu properties, you know, around the box um, and on the cover to um, advertise for those. And the box itself isn't too big. I mean, you know, you get, you know, it's a card game, so there's really not much to go in there besides that, but, um, you know, it's a I, nice medium I, I know, box. I know you're going to talk about the, one of the things that you mentioned just now about the storage. I know you're going to talk yeah. about that in the in the future uh, sections towards the end of the show. But that's an important thing to mention. The, the, the box is a very good size, but don't expect that you're going to have the enough storage for all that you're going to be getting with the game. So uh, like you said, uh, you have the nice Cthulhu design and you have the Fantasy Flight logo, of course, that's the publisher. And it's a, a card game of arcane mystery and supernatural terror for one or two players. But also, uh, if you get another core set, uh, you can uh, make it to play to four, three or four players, actually. And it's designed by Nate French and Matthew Newman. Like we mentioned before, it's a living, living card game. And also, one of the things that I really like from the box, and that it's also on the expansions, is that you have like a QR code in the back of the box, and you can scan to see the cards that are inside. So with your smartphone, you scan the, the QR code and you're able to see which cards are you gonna get, which characters are you gonna get, which uh, uh, decks are you gonna get, which is pretty handy, you know, because in that way, if you're at, the, at your favorite uh, game store and you trying to decide if you're gonna buy the expansion for the game, you can check it out first with your phone, kind of an idea what you're gonna get on the game. 
uh, in that way it's not like, you know, randomly uh, buying without knowing what you're gonna get. But like you mentioned, uh, the box is a pretty decent size. It says that it plays uh, 14 plus and one to two players, like I mentioned before, and one to two hours. What do you think about the time of one to two hours and the 14 plus? I would agree. Um... I think the time depends on if you're playing solo or, you know, two players. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I think I can play through pretty quickly if it's just solo. Um, That's what you would think. <laughs> I mean, it depends on, you know, on which uh, scenario you're playing. But, you know, once you learn the mechanics, it's pretty easy to, you know, play through. Um, mm -hmm. Especially if you go back and try to replay as a different character. You already know how the game works and the mechanics. Um but just like Mansions of Madness and some of the other games we play, the difficulty scales based on the number of players we have, and that it will increase the amount of time. So I think yeah. it is pretty accurate, but there are situations where if you just get, you know, kind of into a tough scenario and you can't really, you know, get out quickly, it could take longer. Um, now, talking talking about the age, I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like all the Cthulhu uh, atmosphere games they always put the 14 plus. So I guess it's more like a general standard, right? Like for the, I guess for the graphics that you can get. I remember in one of the cards, well, we will talk about the components in a little bit, but the cards, uh, they have like very explicit graphics also. And I guess, but, you know, like I said before, I'm seeing more often like every Cthulhu game, it's always 14 plus. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Well, I think, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Well, I guess it was when we did the review last week of Lucidity. I think that one was 14 plus, and that one was just kind of creepy with the art and everything. Um, mm -hmm. Not just but, a man, it was also 14 plus. Yeah, I think you're right. It probably is just the art. Um Especially on some of the cards, like I know there's kind of like, um, I forget what it's called, but it's got a picture of a wound on there and it's kind of, you know, yeah. bloody or and kind of gross or there's different, you know, monsters and things that are kind of creepy. So I think any of those horror games must just hit, kind of have that just in case, you know, there's yep. any issues with the age. So now that we review the box, let's jump inside the box. Inside the box. So now that we are inside the box, let's talk about the components. You will get uh, 27 damage tokens uh, with uh, 1 and 3. This has 18 horror tokens, 1 and 3, 2. You will get resource tokens. You will get clue and doom tokens, which are like the same token, just, uh, you know, uh, you can reverse it and it will be, or you can flip it, better said, and you will have the doom and then you will have the clue. You will also have 44 cows token, which this is the new mechanic that Fantasy Flight implemented on their living card games compare it to the Lord of the Rings, per se, uh, which was the predecessor of this uh, living card game. Not necessarily about the theme, but it was first, I believe the first, or one of the first uh, living card games that uh, Fantasy Flies uh, published. And the mechanics of the fight, they were very different, or the encounters, they were very different compared to now the Chaos token. Uh, you will have five investigator cards with the base game. Uh, you will have like a little mini standee also for the character. You will have 119 player cards. Now, this is important because 
there's a, a lot of uh, forums around the websites, Morgan Geek and other Facebook uh, pages that they recommend uh, if you want to go like seriously in the campaign of the Arkham Horror, they recommend you to get uh, two core sets in that way. Um, you can get more, uh, I guess, uh, advantage at the time of your deck building. Uh, also, you have uh, 110 scenario cards, which with each scenario card will be with an agenda card and an act card. And you will hit, you will get the different locations and reference uh, cards also that will help you to play through the game. Um, what do you think about the the components, Jonathan, of the game? Um, I think they're good quality. Um, I do mm -hmm. like the the tokens that come with there uh, with mm -hmm. the set. You know, I think it's a good way to handle that with the card game um, versus yeah. the dice rolling of mansions. Uh, um, you know, it just makes it a little bit easier to do. Um, it would be nice if it did come with. Um, and I forget what they call it in the rule book, but the actual bag that you put the um, oh, yeah, yeah. in there. Um, it would have been cool if you had like a Arkham Horror themed, um, you know, little pouch or something that, that came with it. Um, yeah. But I feel like, you know, most people, you know, can find something. Or I remember when I was a kid, I used to get like the Crown Royal. Uh, That's the one that, that I still use. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good I, excuse to be. This is a good excuse for me to, you know, go and. And okay, buy so, quite a often a crown a bottle of crown royal in the way to yeah. get those back for different games. Uh, but I mean, they're always perfect for either you know for carrying dice or for something like yeah. this where you just need to you know store some tokens and use it. So, um, mm -hmm. but I like the components. I like the, the you know the the miniature character cards that you get to move throughout the scenarios. And I mean, they've they've made it very straightforward with all the cards that you get and you know building your character. Um, and I don't feel like I've really had any issues. You know that aren't in the rule book or in the rules reference that have, you know, I've really had to look up at this point. So I think they give you everything that you would need. Really the only thing inside the box that I didn't like, um, and that's more, you know, going forward with expansions. And I can talk about that later too, when we talk about pros and cons and everything. But yeah. um, from what I remember, and I took out the insert that came with it, but you know, it had the base set of cards and everything was wrapped up. But like, if you're looking to store something or, you know, add any expansions, there's really not a good way to do that in the box. There's no dividers uh, yeah, or anything. No um, so that would be my biggest thing is, you know, you have to get something additional to do that. And there's really nothing that comes with the expansions either to put in the box. So um, it would be cool, like some of the other um, games that have kind of come out with a big box to put in, you know, the core sets plus expansions. Um, some of the ones I think of are like the, you know, some of the boxes for Le Marvel Legendary or the DC Deck Builder or even mm -hmm. like Smash Up where they give you the boxes with the slots and the um, dividers for the specific sets. Like, I think that'd be cool for Arkham Horror since there are, you know, a, a number of expansions at this point. Um, just yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if, if, if they also is going to, well, you you can see like when the broken token, you know, they sell, I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about that, but they sell yeah. like different compartments for the box for the storage. Um, my uh, downside about the, the inside the box and the components is that I'm a huge fan and I really love when the games includes like wooden tokens, uh, you know, for the resources and, uh, and the damage and the, what is it called? The insane tokens, the horror tokens. I'm sorry. I'm a huge fan of the wooden tokens. And like I said before, on the beginning of the episode, I've been playing Robinson inside the components are great. And I just wish that the components for the Arkham Horror would be the same with wooden tokens. But also I understand, I mean, you're getting the box for around 30 bucks. So uh, there's only too much that you can expect for dice, uh, that price range. Also, I know that you can buy all these upgrades of tokens around Amazon or different uh, websites that they 
have those, um, you know, uh, wooden tokens, like I said before, or even metal tokens or metal coins. Um, also, uh, for all of you that are familiarized with uh, the Eldritch Horror, the Manchester Madness, the Arkham Horror games, um, the character classes, you will have the same Guardian, Seeker, Mystic, Rogue, and Survivors, and you will have pretty much the same skills that we will talk a little bit more once we jump into the gameplay. So without, you know, without saying anything else, let's jump into the gameplay and let's see how the game plays. Gameplay. So now that we are in the gameplay section, let's see uh, how the game works. So you will have uh, uh, a round sequence and a pretty nice card that they include in the game that it will tell you what to do step by step. So first you will have a mythos phase, which you will skip during the first round. And pretty much you will be placing one doom on the agenda, which is uh, all the time that you are on the scenarios, you have a, an agenda in an act deck too. And the act deck is like the good people deck and the agenda is what you don't want to uh, fight or what you don't want to uh, let keep advancing. So on the mythos phase, like I said, you will place one doom on the agenda, which it will be like your time frame during the game. You will uh, advance the agenda if a Doom threshold is satisfied, and each investigator will draw one card from the top of the encounter deck, and it will be assigned assigned to that investigation. You will be like, it will it will stay with you. Uh, then you will have an investigation phase, like in Manchester of Madness and Arkham Horror. Uh, each investigation takes a turn, performing three actions that Jonathan will mention a little bit. And uh, then you will have the enemy phase, which is the enemies with the they will try to hunt you and try to chase you. And the enemies that are engaged with you that you draw previously from the mythos phase, they will attack you if they're still alive, or they will give you uh, insanity if they're still alive or horror. Uh, and then you have an upkeep phase, which uh, it will reset. Uh, it will, I'm sorry, it will reset all the actions. You will ready again all the exhausted cards that you use during the game. Uh, you will draw a new card. You will gain a resource, which is the currency that you will be using during the game to pay the cards that you will have on your hand. You will check for a hand size, which you're not able to have more than eight cards on your hand. And then, uh, Jonathan, you can explain us a little bit more about the actions that you can do during the game. Yeah, um, so during your turn, um, each investigator can take up to three actions. So you can either draw a card or gain another resource um, if you need you know, more options or you know, you're trying to buy something. Um, you can play a card from your hand. Um, some of the cards do have... Um, an icon or um, they're fast cards. So those are ones that you can play without using an action. So um, sometimes you'll kind of strategize like when, when you want to play those cards to get the most from those since they are free to play um, in terms of you know saving your actions. Um, some of the cards that you'll have will have an, this arrow icon on there where you can activate those. A lot of those will be weapons or different things that when you um, investigate or attack something, and it'll just give you a boost to that ability or a modifier to um, the token that you pull out of the bag. Um, you can also just move or try to do an investigate um, check at a location. If you're engaged with an enemy, you can fight them or um, try to engage with an enemy there, or you can evade an enemy that you're engaged with if you're trying to move away or survive. Yeah. Uh, besides that, there are certain actions that come up on other cards. So um, not to spoil anything, but there is a character that comes up in the very first scenario and I think it has a parlay action and it gives you a specific thing that you have to do um, to get this card in your deck. So some cards will have specific actions that you can do um, on top of the base actions that you normally have. Yeah, so pretty much, pretty much I'm sorry, the, the main objective of each scenario is to investigate each location. You will be moving through the locations 
uh, like like Jonathan mentioned, you will move to a location, you will investigate it, and every time that you investigate successfully in each location, usually you're going to get a clue token, and that clue token, you're going to put it on your act deck. As uh, once you uh, uh, fulfill the requirements for that act, you will advance to the next act, and so on. And if you finish before the agenda, which is the, the Doom, um, I guess, time track, uh, you will succeed. And if you succeed, you will go through the campaign uh, of the rulebook, I'm sorry, from the campaign book, I guess, and you will go to a certain pathway. Or if you fail, well, it will take you to another pathway. So that's one of the things, actually, that I really enjoy from the game, that uh, uh, the only way that you can play Arkham Horror, the living card game, is through the campaigns. Uh, you will get a campaign with three scenarios with the first, uh, with the core base, which is the Knight of the Silot, and it will be three different scenarios, and depends on the results of each scenario, it will, it will guide you through a different pathway of the story. Uh, and then you can get expansions, and there's a few things that I really like from the game. Uh, the fact that uh, also you're able to resign or quit from the scenario, so instead of uh, dying or becoming uh, insane, you can just resign and that also will take you to another pathway on the story i think that's a very neat uh option that they put on the game um also another thing that i like i played before in the past uh lord of the rings the living card game published also by fantasy flight like i mentioned before but the mechanics of uh the test or encounters it was very different you know you used to have like the, your your coins if i remember correctly like your resources and you also in each card you have like a certain a number or level of, of damage that you can do, and you can play cards from your hand that they will also do damage. In, in the living card game of Arkham Horror, it's way different. Can you talk about that, Jonathan? Well, I think the main thing, um, and I only played the Lord of the Rings a couple of times with you, but I think the main thing that I can remember is there's the um, element of chance that you get for Arkham Horror versus Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I think with the Lord of the Rings, you kind of know going in, um, I mean, there's differences where you choose, you know, who's going to fight or, you know, stay back to defend, but you already know what your power level is. Where Arkham Horror, you can go in and, you know, you may have your strength modified to a five, but, you know, you could reach into that bag and draw a, a minus four modifier and fail the um, the strength check. So you don't know what the end result's going to be. You don't know um, what you're going to get. <laughs> right. And I, th I mean, it's kind of like... Um, what we talked about with Mansions of Madness a few weeks ago is, yeah, um, you know, you, you know what your numbers are, but then you roll, and then the app tells you what your goals are. So, um, you still may not know what you need to succeed in that game either, and it kind of has that same feel. But I think with, you know, when you're dealing with Cthulhu or, you know, things from other dimensions or other places, like there's more of, if it's more of the theme to kind of have that unpredictability versus Lord of the Rings, where you kind of know what you're up against um, and can plan for it. Where this you um, you really don't. And yeah. um, one of the things I was thinking about that's kind of related here, I was going to talk about it later, but, you know, when you're playing these characters, I, I think part of it, too, is you have to realize that you're you're just people. Like, your characters that you're using are just humans. Like, you're not typically anybody with special abilities, you know, yeah. or magical powers. So it makes sense that the game is hard, and when you're fighting creatures from another dimension um, or that have these special abilities, like, it should be hard because you're, you know, you're using a gun, or you might you're be... Right. A you normal know, human being. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it makes sense that you're trying to do these things, but you're not always going to succeed, and that there's limits to what you can do in the game. Um, and you know, you can progress and get better, but you're still a human when you start. So you may have the books that you need to, 
do a spell yeah. or, you know, you may be very good with guns, but, you know, you well, still don't really know what's going to happen or what's out there. Yeah, one of the things also, like you were mentioning, like that uh, mystery of your, uh, of your results and what you're going to get, I found that the game, even if the easy and standard mode that they call, it's hard. It's it's really hard because the majority of the of the tokens that you're going to draw from a, from a bag or whatever you want to use to draw the tokens from, like you mentioned before, probably a Crown Royal uh, bag, which they should sponsor us. I mean, come on, we already mentioned them like five times. <laughs> anyway, whatever the token that you're going to get, the, the majority, even if you play in easy mode, they're bad. They're like minus two, minus three. So, for example, let's say that you're going to investigate, uh, uh, I don't know, let's just mention a random place like the, the attic. You're going to mm-hmm. investigate the attic, right? And the attic has a, a value of two for the investigation purposes. So you will use your lore uh, in order to investigate, of course. Um, so let's say your lore, is, your lore is three. So what you're going to do is you're going to draw a coin from that bag. And it could be a minus two, minus one, or an automatic failure with the Cthulhu sign. Uh, or you can get an elder sign, which will usually trigger an ability on your character. So anyway, uh, the majority of those uh, coins or tokens are bad. So let's say you attempt to investigate with three and you draw a minus two and the value of the, of the place is two. That's it. You get one, one against two, you lose and you don't get to do anything else. You lose an action. And believe me, this is the kind of games that every action that you have is really, really worth it. Like it's, 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 it's kind of the games, in my opinion, that if you lose an action uh, or if you fail in an action, you, it really hurt you, really, really hurt you for it for the future of that uh, scenario story or scenario campaign. I really like uh, also the mechanic of the of the enemies that are, ab- that are able, if you don't, if they don't get destroyed by you during your action turn, they will for sure attack you and give you some horror. So that also uh, makes the game harder. And you know, Jonathan, that I really enjoy games where they're hard, they're a campaign, and I can die. So this is a game that you will find those three things uh, pretty much very often as as you keep playing during the game. Uh, anything else that you think that we can talk about the gameplay? I think one of the things, like you mentioned, is you know where you like the difficulty of the games. Um, even with this game, if you do everything right, like usually you're still going to end up with something, you know, with some issue or some negative effect at the end of the scenario. Like I think even at the end of the the first campaign that come you know, with the base set, like at the end, if you do everything right, you still get horror damage because you've you know, everything that you went through and you fought this giant creature. So, um, it kind of fits, like you don't just come away, you know, like nothing yeah. happened. Like even, if, even if you do everything right and you beat the monsters that you're supposed to beat, you know, it still takes its toll on the character, which I think is cool. And that carries yeah. with you throughout, you know, um, you know, if you get any of the expansions, you can carry that. If you continue with that character, you will, you know, take that, um, you know, that mental damage with you since you kind of face that experience. And I think it's kind of cool because it does feel like you are developing this character, um as you progress that's true that that's another very good aspect of the game and just to mention before we jump in the conclusions uh i was talking before about the character classes you, that you get the guardian the seeker the mystic the rogue and the survivor and for all that those people are, are familiarized with uh, cthulhu games uh, especially from fantasy flight you will have that the skills of the of the characters are the willpower which will uh help you to do certain uh will test i guess you will have the intellect or lore, which it will get help you to investigate. You will have the combat or strength, which it will help you, like it says, to fight or encounter um, enemies. 
Also, you have the agility, which it will help you to evade uh, uh, certain uh, enemies or certain uh, events during the scenario. And you will have also a wild that it will help you as a wild skill that you can use for any purpose. Um, the game is the gameplay is pretty fun. One of the things that I really enjoy also is the rule reference that is uh, that it explains you very well uh, the rules. Usually, in the majority of the games that I uh, that I have or that we played, uh, sometimes we need to go or pretty often we need to go to to the internet to Mr. Google or Mr. BoardGameGeek.com in order to get some answers. But I feel that the rulebook here does a pretty good job. Uh, answering all those questions or the questions that you can have for the game uh, without the necessity of going to, to the internet and check it out. So now let's jump into my favorite section of the show, which is if you rather play this game as a solo or cooperative and what, are the, what do we think about the game? Solo or cooperative? So now we are in my favorite section of the episode, which is if you rather play this game solo or cooperative. And first, before we answer the question, I would like to ask you, Jonathan, what do you like and what you don't like from the game? Um, from the game itself, um, there's really not a whole lot that I didn't like. Um, I like the um, diversity of characters that you get, and I uh -huh. think it it helps um, inside the um, Learn to Play book that comes with the base set. Yeah, it give, it gives you a good starting point for a deck for each of the characters. So, like when I first came in, I, I've played other like deck builders and games where you kind of learn as you go and build the deck. But I've not. This is the first time I've played a um, living card game where you know there's set cards that you can use, and I wouldn't even really know where to start per se. You know, getting this for the first time. So it did help that that um, learn to play guide had a specific deck for each character that you could use. Um, but I like as you go, you get experience and you can, you know, switch out, you know, a card here and there. So it, it feels like you're getting more powerful, but you're not getting too powerful too quickly, which, you know, makes sense for, for this um, for this game. The other things I, I like is, it, you know, it's easy for, you know, for travel, just it's all cards. So um, even compared to like Mansions of Madness, where it's, just, you know, very similar, um, you don't have any board or any tiles to take with you. You just take the deck of cards that goes with each scenario and um, that's all you really need besides your character deck um, and the tokens um, yeah you can also have your back of crown bridle you know that's a good uh, yeah you, you take that too. with you yeah <laughs> as long as you're not driving yeah. um, but but yeah i really like the gameplay i like um how the different abilities that each character has and it, it fits with their um character archetype um and, and how you can progress the characters a couple of the things i didn't like and it's really not as much with the base set but um, i did get one of the expansions and the the box for the base set really doesn't hold that um, but i did get one of the divider um i guess from the, the broken token divider right? set, yeah from broken tokens so that does a good job of holding the base set um, it even has a cool little box that sits in the middle that holds all the tokens so it's very good for portability and it pretty much can carry the whole base set i have a couple different decks um, for two characters that I'm, I've been using, and then um, I can pretty much put um, card sleeves on almost all of those, except for the individual scenarios that, are, that really don't need sleeves until I do them. But all the the main cards that I would need for anything, I have I have enough room in this set um, to even sleeve the cards for for storage and, and use. Um, one of the other things, and it's it's really not anything that you would expect from Fantasy Flight to do, but um, some of the characters do have overlap in terms of what cards you would use for their deck. And so if you are trying to play with 
you know two different characters like i've done a couple different campaigns and especially now that i have the expansion i've been trying to use a, a character from there and go from the beginning as well and it, it's hard to have two separate decks where two different characters may rely on the same card um so it kind of forces you to choose a character that's completely different but but it's, it's worked well enough I, you know you just kind of swap some cards out here and there but um i think it would be harder if i were to try any you know more than two characters with my base set at a time so if you are looking to do something where you know you can have three different characters going or multiple characters it would be easier to have the two core sets so you have um, enough copies of those cards to use among your decks mm-hmm. um but i really don't have you know this is it's a very streamlined game even compared to the arkham horror board games so i really don't have you know too many complaints it's it's been a lot of fun and i think it's a quicker game um, you know, if you're looking for more of a quick fix with the Cthulhu theme, it's, you know, a quicker game compared to, you know, more of the um, Mansions of Madness or even oh, yeah. more sure. board game. Yeah. So, you know, something that you can do, sit down for an hour and, and, and play one of the scenarios. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, so I know this is going to be a tricky question and, and probably with not a lot of sense. But now that you mentioned and you compare this game with Mansions of Madness, the mechanics are super different. One is with minis and tiles. This is completely a card game that it has the advantage, like you said, to, to take uh, take it with you to travel pretty easy. Which one do you think uh, do you like more uh, to you in particular, uh, the Mansions of Madness and or Arkham Horror, the card game? Um, I think overall probably Arkham Horror. Um, I mm-hmm. really liked um, the Mansions of Madness scenario that we did and that we kind of talked about in the podcast. Yeah. Um, that was probably, I mean, I've only done a couple, but that was, you know, a lot more fun, I thought. Um, but overall, I think I would like this one mostly because of the time commitment. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit easier to, um, you know, get a game set up to play. And, you, you know, with Mansions of Madness, it does have the app where it helps guide you, which is great. But, you know, it's nice for this one where you don't really need that. Um, the one thing I do like about Mansions better is with the app, it, when the random things happen, they don't feel as random and it kind of makes sense. We're here, um, you know, when you do draw a card from the encounter deck during the mythos phase, sometimes, you know, based on what's in that deck, you could get the same event or the same monster, you know, a few times in a row and then it kind of gets annoying or it doesn't seem to fit as much as, you know, a game where you've got that app guiding you and it is a random encounter, but it, you know, kind of follows that story. You, You just have more, you know, randomness here, and there's really no guide to that. And it, so that would be one thing I like about Mansions better, but overall I'd say... You will go with Arkham Horror. For, yeah, at least, at least for me, um, unless you're unless you're going to dedicate time to spend and, and go through the story of Mansions. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. Um, I like both at the same level, but I feel like it will be easier for me to bring to the table the Arkham Horror. I like the game. I enjoy the mechanics. The encounter mechanic or the fight mechanic or the investigation mechanic, whatever you want to call it, about the tokens. And uh, when we were joking about the Crown Royal back, I just love it. It's uh, It was for me when I played something uh, very different and unique about the game. And, you know, sometimes uh, we find unique things about the games. It could be the theme. It could be the, the story or uh, the components or probably some other thing. But when you have a very unique mechanic... Uh, that the game is based with uh, and is different to everything else, you need to appreciate that. And I feel like Arkham Horror, uh, the living card game, it does a very good job with that. It brings something new, something different, but also 
that it's fun. Uh, even if it's hard, it's fun because you know that uh, randomness and trying to feel the tokens and you're lucky. And when you're mixing them and try to draw one, and if you get a succeed, you feel like super, you know, super excited about it. But you know that the tendency is going to be the other way. But nevertheless, that mechanic, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the gameplay. I really enjoy that uh, that I love campaigns, like I mentioned before, and it won't take you that long to play any scenario too. It will probably take you if you're playing solo, like 45 minutes to an hour, if it's a long scenario. And if you're playing cooperative, probably you want to add another 20, 30 minutes of the discussion between the players. I like the fact that you can expand the amount of players all the way from one to four, depending on the on how many cores or base games you have. I also like the design and the graphics from the game. I think they're super good. Uh, in each card, like you said, there are some cards that they will work against you and they have the very explanatory graphics. Uh, and I really enjoy that too. The characters, the background story of the characters like Roland Banks and all the other guys, like you mentioned, that they're pretty much human and normal people. I really like the story too. What I don't like about the game, and not precisely about the game, about the, the things that are surrounding the games, are, for example, the components. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the wooden tokens, but I also understand because of the price uh, of the game. Uh, so it's not a big deal. I also, I think the downside will be, like you mentioned, the storage, that uh, you will have to find another uh, storage solution, either get from broken token dividers and or any other store, or probably go to Hobby Lobby and get creative and uh, build your own dividers, uh, or, you can always, I see a lot of people are on the Facebook groups and the board game geek getting like old suitcase, you know, like from the 60s or 50s or 70s, all luggage designs and just uh, divide, make some dividers or custom made dividers or even from the broken token that we mentioned before. And they stay, they stick the cards over there and they look pretty cool and very neat. But definitely the, stor the storage is another downside of the game. The other downside of the game, once again, is not about particular the mechanics or anything like that. It's also that if you're going to jump into the game, you need to know that you will spend a lot of money uh, because you will get the course, uh, the base game, which it only includes three scenarios, super easy scenarios, very nice, uh, you know, implemented for the tutorial and to learn the game. But then if you want to keep playing, you will need to get more scenarios, more campaigns, uh, more uh, expansion packs. So you will spend a lot of money. I remember when uh, I jumped into the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the living card game, it was until like probably two or three years ago when the game was already pretty much done. Um, because now even like they have the digital version or it's going to be released pretty soon, the digital version also. But anyway, um, you will, if you wanted to jump to the game on that time, you will need to spend at least a thousand dollars to get a very, very decent uh, amount of uh, story campaign. And also if you want to play it in tournaments. And I believe that Arkham Horror, even if it, it wasn't released no more than probably two years ago uh, is the same situation. Like if you want to jump into to get everything from the game, you will you will have to spend a very decent amount of money uh, for this uh, game. I'm not talking about the base game. I'm talking about the whole thing, the expansions, the, the different campaigns, all that stuff. Um, now, Jonathan, uh, do you rather play this game solo or cooperative? What do you think? Um, this is a hard one. And yeah, it's a hard. I feel like 
and I, I think I've mentioned it on the first episode I was in for Mansions, but I usually tend to do more cooperative games versus solo. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think for the second week in a row, I think this will be another game I prefer solo. That's uh, impressive for you, my friend. Since well, I, I know you, you need to share with all, with all you guys. <laughs> we need to share with all you guys that uh, from the group, from the board game group that we have, the weekly board game group. Jonathan is the one that he usually doesn't go to solo games. He usually is like either cooperative or competitive. And then he always says like, if I'm gonna play a solo game, I would rather play a video game. Uh, but yeah. I'm surprised that two weeks in a row <laughs> you've been going with solo. Yeah. Um... I mean, there's nothing wrong with a cooperative, and I think they do a good job to make the difficulty scale for, um, you know, having more more players and making things more difficult. But um, it is one where, you know, as I said before, it's quicker um, to do the solo play, and um, I kind of like just going through that story. And you know, when I play solo, um, once I learned how to play, you know, I just sat down and played through the three scenarios in the core set, and that maybe took me an hour and a half or two hours just to go through that. And yeah. so I think it's easier to, I mean, I'd, I would rather play it where I can do it, you know, multiple scenarios at a time to kind of have that story continue. Yeah. Um, and that way it's fresher in my mind when I do it. Um, and I think it's just easier to do solo and it's, you know, easier to plan unless we did like a, you know, a game, a game day where we played for 10 hours and just played through, you know, an, an entire expansion or something. Yeah. Um, a crazy night. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think I like that just because you can get, you know, get through a lot of the story and, um, you know, it's quick to add, you know, new cards in there to develop your character and just keep playing. Um, yeah. so I think, you know, mostly for those reasons, I do like the solo, um, aspect of this game better. Not that there's anything wrong with the cooperative. I like both, but I think, for me and you know for a game like this where i would like to get through it more quickly it's just easier for me to do solo yeah and i would choose the same answer i can tell you right now i would rather play this game as a solo now uh when we talk about the price of the game uh the core or the base game is um 35 dollars on amazon i think the price is fair for what you get on the box yes. right now I would agree. each expansion is like what like 20 dollars 25 dollars um, yeah, I think, and I didn't get off of Amazon, but I think most of them are on Amazon for the the main box that comes with a couple scenarios for the expansion with the new characters and everything. Those are about, um, depending where you get it, ranges probably from twenty love, to twenty five dollars. Um, yeah, and if you get the 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 expansion, just like you know the small decks, uh, not the not the whole campaign, just you know uh, the expansions that they add mythos, faces, and all this stuff. Those are like thirteen bucks each on the yeah. on Amazon. And I think so, most of the expansions have like five or six of those. So yeah, it's it's probably going to be about a hundred dollars to get you know the full expansion with the extra scenarios. I would say. Now uh, talking about the weight of the game from BoardGameGeek.com, mm-hmm. uh, starting with light, medium light, medium, medium heavy, and heavy. How will you classify this game? I'm trying to remember how I ranked Mansions, and it would be lower than that, but. I'd probably say a medium light game. Um, I think some of the difficulty and the decisions that you have to make would make it more of a medium level, but being a card game with the speed of the game, um, and I don't feel like... Like like it's super hard, right? I mean, Yeah, I mean, it's challenging, but I don't feel like, I, you know, if you play this game, like I don't feel like this weight and there's not a complexity in, how, in playing the game itself that would make it a more difficult game. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that kind of pulls it down to the medium light level instead of just like a medium 
Um, yeah. You know, it's not as big of a game to make it that that way. Yeah, I, w- I will agree with you totally. I think the weight of the game is definitely medium, in my opinion. Now, talking about the rating system, can you explain us a little bit how we're going to rate today the game? Yeah, I can. Um, I know that's usually Caleb's job, but... Yeah, um... well, he, he, he's in... I guess he was in Cancun or something like that at, at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, uh, um, yeah, so as you've heard, if you listen to the last couple episodes, we switched over to more of the classic Netflix rating system instead yeah. of doing the um, 1 through 10 from Board Game Geek. So um, if you remember the way Netflix used to do it, you could do, like, 1 through 5, where 1 was um, you hated it, 2 was you didn't like it, 3 was you liked it, um, 4, I think, was you really liked it, and 5 was you loved it. So, um okay. I think for this one, it would be a four in that really liked it range. Yeah. Um, you know, as I've said on a previous podcast, the Cthulhu theme isn't a draw for me when I play the games, but I really enjoy the way the card game works. And, um, you know, as someone that has played a lot of card games with me, I'm sure you know I like to find... I don't um, know, you have a lot you know, of experience in card games. The, the best combinations and ways to kind of optimize either the amount of actions you get or, you know, the things you can do on a turn. So I do like that aspect of trying to figure out what cards work best with the characters that can use them and, and different combinations of things you can do um, that still fit the theme or, like, what the character's capabilities would be. Um, yeah, and, and actually, the fa- actually, I'm sorry, the, the, the fact that you're saying that, that you're putting this game at a number four and that you really like it, it's surprising because, uh, like you said, first of all, Cthulhu is not like your favorite theme, but I also, it also, it's important to mention that you've been playing card games since, I don't know, what you will say, like 15 years ago, probably, or even more. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, more, and more of the so competitive, have, yeah. Yeah, so you have a lot of experience in that uh, field of, of the board games, so I feel like your review or your classification for this uh, game is, is super, um, you know, uh, worth it and super uh, accurate from a, from an experienced person that plays uh, card games. And I agree with you. I will place it also in number four. Uh, I really like it. Uh, I don't love it, but I really like it. And, I mean, I don't have any problem or trouble uh, bringing it onto the table and keep advancing on campaigns um, during uh, the Arkham Horror universe, I guess. So... Uh, would you like add something else about the game before we say the goodbyes? I don't think I really have anything else, but I think this is a good game if someone's just trying to get into the kind of the fantasy flight realm of the Cthulhu theme games. I think the Arkham this Horror card game. Yeah, you know, it's, it, I would see if you like this enough to branch out and spend the money on Mansions of Madness or one of the bigger board games, Arkham Horror board game or um, Eldritch Horror. I think. You know, starting with the Arkham Horror card game is a good way to see if you know if this is a good fit for you, and then kind of expand from there. Yeah. Um, so that'd be my recommendation, at least. And um, you know, I think this is a easy enough game to learn, and you know, a challenging enough game for any any level of um, board gamer to try. So I think it's good for really anybody. Yeah, I agree with you. And this was the last episode of the Halloween month of 2018, October. Uh, now the next episode we're gonna talk about, uh, you know, any any game. It doesn't necessarily need to be horror or mystery. Uh, we don't have the game yet, but you will be surprised at what we're gonna bring. Uh, also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Solo BG Podcast. Uh, if you're listening through iTunes, you can also look for us on Spotify and Google Play and vice versa. And please, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, 
please subscribe, please uh, write a review, uh, rate the show. That helps us a lot to uh, still be on the air in the iTunes or iOS or Apple uh, system. And thank you so much, Jonathan, for being uh, with me tonight. And we had good game this month. We reviewed the Blood Inn, uh, Manchester Madness, Arkham Horror, and Lucidity. So it was a good month of horror. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.